0: this morning. Well, welcome again to the borough at Pittman Park. Uh, as, as many of you know, we've been in this series, Holiness of Heart and Life, for like seven weeks, right? This is week eight of the series. We've got one more week after this, and today we're talking about personal holiness. Now, when you hear that, um, when I hear that, parts of me cringe because I, I think back on um, sword drills. Do you ever remember sword drills? I probably asked you this before, but sword drills, when you were in youth group, uh, when your youth group leader stands up in front of you and you've got two Bibles, you've got one Bible in front of you and you're, you're, well, maybe not your best friend, but a friend has a Bible in front of them and they call out some obscure Bible passage like Obadiah 2.6. And you got to see who can first find Obadiah because it's nearly impossible in the Bible. And so you're flipping through trying to find it. And the whole point of those, um, those studies was to remind us, to remind me and to remind the youth who are in our youth group, that uh, Scripture is important, that the Word of God is important, that occasionally we need to be reminded of the good things that God has done for us and the power of His Word in our lives and so this morning, I want to I do a little bit of a reminder for you, because you heard some incredible things last week uh, from Chris Ramsey, our district superintendent. So um, many of you have this app on your phone. You remember this, Do you have this app on your phone? Yeah, I've got that app. That's called Reminders. And Reminders for me on, on my uh, iPhone are actually programmed based on location. So my phone tells me things when I get to certain places. So when I get to uh, Statesboro High School, where I drop my daughter off, for pre-K classes each day, my phone buzzes and it says, remember to put Addie's folder in her box, which isn't a reminder for me, it's a reminder for my daughter. It's for me to say, Addie, make sure you put your folder in the box so you can stay in the green instead of the yellow or the red. You want to be in the green. So I remind her of the things that will help her stay in the green. I set reminders for when I get to church. My to-do list is all based on GPS. So when I arrive here, it says, Jonathan, do this and this and this and this and this. So that you can stay in the green at Pittman Park. (laughs) So nobody gets too angry uh, or nobody misses out on the good things that are happening here at Pittman Park. And so this morning, I want to be a reminder for you. Because that's what's actually happening in the scripture text that we're going to get to in just a minute. I want to be a reminder for you of some things that you heard last week. Chris Ramsey, our district superintendent, outlined for you seven habits of highly holy people. Do you remember this? Seven habits of highly holy people. Um, I tweeted out those seven habits, but I want you to see them again this morning. Can we put them up there? Here's seven habits for growing in your faith. Seven habits that highly holy people do in order to grow in holiness of heart. This is all about personal holiness, holiness of heart. Here's the habits that you need. We're just going to dwell on this for a minute while you write them down, okay? first habit that you need to have if you want to grow in personal holiness is to study Scripture. We have got to get into God's Word. We've got to pray. We have to have a connection with God that allows us to understand God's will and purpose for our life so that we can do number three, which is trust God. We've got to know God's Word, and we've got to have communication with God so that we can trust God. So that we can be led by the Spirit. If you can't trust God, you won't trust the Spirit leading you in your life. The other habit we have to have is worshiping, gathering together as the people of God to worship and celebrate together. But even beyond that, worshiping throughout every part of our life. We've got to obey God's will if we want to grow in personal holiness. And we've got to serve. We've got to find some way to serve in the kingdom of God, if we want to grow in holiness, personal holiness especially. These are habits. These are habits. Things you do repeatedly and on a routine that help us cultivate holiness, righteousness, and godliness inside of ourselves. This is how God moves inside of us to make us more like Him. Does this make sense? Are you with me? Okay. All right. Shake your heads if you're with me. Okay, we got six heads nodding. Good. All right, six of you are with me. All right, here we go. So if you want to grow in holiness, in righteousness, in godliness, you need to do these seven things. Now, some of us, are perfectionists. Are are there any perfectionists in here? Anybody a little bit OCD? Anybody a little bit like, if I know the rules, we're going to play by the rules. My daughter is one of these people. Um, Addie, she's four years old. And not only does she like to play by the rules, she likes to make the rules. And so the rules are a big deal. So when she sees a list like this, here's seven things that you need to do to grow. She's taking notes, right? She's writing all this down, and then she's going and doing them, right? She's going and doing them because this is how it happens. This is how you transform your life. This is how you have your heart transformed. Some of us, we get so caught up on this list of seven things that we take these seven things, which are ordinary means of grace. That's what John Wesley would say. These are the ways that we encounter God on a regular basis. We take these seven things, and we make them like merit badges on a sash, when I was growing up, the coolest thing that I could think of was to have the sash that you wear merit badges on, right? I was in kindergarten, and I was a Cub Scout, and I saw all these Boy Scouts with, is it, a, is it called a sash? It's called a sash. A sash with all their merit badges on them, right? Like, I've done archery, I've done deep sea scuba diving, underwater welding. Now, these are all patches that I thought you could get through Boy Scouts. And what we do with our faith is we take these habits that are wonderful, life-giving encounters with God we put them on a sash we put them on our shirt with a little patch that says look I've read scripture I bet you didn't know it but I study six chapters of scripture a night I pray about 15 hours a day I make sure that I attend worship at least six times during the week and I volunteer to crochet quilts with the shut-ins in case you didn't know how whole I am do you we do this with our faith right some of us are like, well, I, I'm at church every time the doors are open. We take habits, these life-giving habits, these holy habits that Chris rightly described for us last week, and we turn them into merit badges. We show off just how holy we are by parading around like, like we're somebody. Y'all, that's a trap. Growing in holiness of heart isn't about a merit badge and it's certainly not about showing off it's about the spirit of God and the power of God totally reshaping and reforming who you are it's about the spirit and presence of God permeating every part of your heart and your soul and your life that's what these seven habits are designed to do but if we take them and we boil them down to merit badges or or marks on our to-do list we're missing the point this is where I want to take you in our scripture this morning. Paul, in his letter to the churches in Galatia, is a little bit fired up. Um, if you ever take time to read uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians, this is not a happy letter, how you doing? If you've ever read Philippians, Philippians begins, Greetings from Paul the Apostle, grace and peace to you. That's how Philippians begins. That's how Thessalonians begin, First and Thessalonians. Galatians doesn't begin that way. Galatians begins, this is a letter from Paul, listen up. Paul is not happy when he's writing this letter to the Galatian church. In fact, he's angry because the people in Galatia are starting to believe false teachings from a group of people that Paul calls the Judaizers. Now, the truth is we don't know who these people were or what they were teaching, but it seems that they're saying that it's not just Jesus that you need in your life, but Jesus and something else, and that something else is circumcision. You need Jesus and circumcision, possibly Jesus and circumcision and the law. So they're saying you need more than just Jesus. These people, they want the non-Jewish Christians to, To do some things, jump through some hoops before they can come to have faith in Christ and be a part of the community. And that just sets Paul off. Because what the Judaizers are saying is that you have to prove your faithfulness to God. You have to wear your faith around like a merit badge before you're allowed to be part of the community of faith. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes it very clear. He makes it very, very clear That what we need to do is not learn another habit, not learn another type of study, but instead to learn to live our life in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul makes it very clear that there was a way that we once lived before we knew Christ, and there's a way that we are called to live now that we know Christ, and for us to turn back, To leave life in the spirit and turn back to life in the flesh is an absolute and total mistake. Paul says don't do it. In fact, I wish those people that told you to do that would go and jump off a cliff. Now, Paul says it much worse than I did. you got to read Galatians, (laughs) y'all. If you you think scripture is boring, you need to read Galatians. Paul says some, some pretty outrageous stuff in there. Because he is convinced That once we have given our lives to Christ, that we have moved from one category, from unsaved, from broken, from sinful, to saved and healed and righteous. And that there is no in between. And so, what we need to learn how to do is stop living in the flesh, in this old life that we used to live in, in this old manner of being, and live into this new way called life in the spirit. So I want you to listen to what Paul has to say in Galatians chapter 5 starting at verse 16. You got these in your notes, they're going to be up in on the screen as well. Paul says, "Live by the spirit." I say, "And do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, You are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh, they are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before. Here's your reminder, Galatians. I'm I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god. Paul saying, here's your reminder. Don't live like you used to live. Live in the spirit. Don't turn your life back to the law and back to trying to prove yourself. Instead, live in the spirit. Verse 22, Paul says by contrast, the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of the life lived in the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, or envying one another. Paul says to to the Christians at Galatia, That Christians, Christ followers, are not to live in the flesh, but instead are to live in the spirit. To let the power and presence of God so move within us that we turn away from our sin. And live wholly under the direction of God. You know, occasionally, um, we'll put that list up on the screen for people to know what seven habits can help them grow in their faith. People will, will figure out what the list is and they'll start doing those things and they'll get very very concerned because they're doing all seven of the habits but they don't feel like they don't feel like they're really making a connection with God I'm doing all seven of these things you know I'm studying scripture and I'm praying and I'm trusting God and I'm attending worship I'm doing all the things that you say we're supposed to do but I just don't feel I don't feel like I'm connecting with God And so these people, they'll come and sit down in our office, and they'll tell us the story about how much Scripture they know and how much they pray. And they ask me if what they're doing is enough. That's an interesting question, right? Am I doing enough? It's an interesting question to ask me, because the honest answer is I don't know. Um, How do I know that I'm doing enough? How do I know that I'm studying enough and praying enough and serving enough? How do I know that I'm going to worship Enough? How do I know? How do I know that I'm growing in holiness of heart? Well, the answer is very simple. Does your life look like a life lived in the flesh the way Paul describes it here in Galatians 5? Or does your your life look like a life lived in the Spirit full of the qualities that Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit? Now, once a week, I get the opportunity to go to chapel at the Education Center here at Pittman Park. And one of the songs our kids love to sing, one of of their absolute favorite songs goes like this, The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Can you all try this with me? We're going to have fun for a second. Are you ready? The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Oh, that was good. We're going to do it one more time. You Ready? One, two, three. The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Very good. You guys have got this. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If you find yourself living with more joy, if you find yourself living with more peace and patience and kindness, then you're living in the Spirit. If you find yourself falling into licentiousness and greed and envy, lust, in anger, you're living in the flesh. These habits, they help us move from a life lived in the flesh to a life lived in the Spirit, where you and I produce fruit that draws other people to life in Christ. See, the fruit of the Spirit, they aren't just about your life. They're about shared life with others, so that when people see your joy, and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness they begin to ask questions how do you how do you get that well it's not just because you're practicing the seven highlights excuse me the seven habits of highly holy people it's because you've made a conscious decision to live life in the spirit instead of living life in the flesh So my prayer for you this morning, as we move toward Holy Communion, is that you would take this moment, this time at the table, to be a a line of demarcation in your life. A point where you say, you know what, I've lived like this, and I'm giving up on those things. To life in the flesh, I'm giving up on that. So that I can live life in the Spirit. Because when I do that, when we do that, we experience life that truly is life. And that is a beautiful and powerful thing.